0: How many ever heard that saying? Maybe it was the older generation. It takes two to tangle. Think about this. Without you doing your part in desiring a miracle, there is no miracle. Without God doing His part, there is no miracle. We do our part. God does His part. And there's possibly a, a miracle can take place. Let me give you an example of that. Many of you may not know the story, but very briefly, Naaman in the Old Testament under the prophet Elijah was healed. He was a commander of an army, a Ramian army, and a little servant girl told him more he could be healed of his leprosy. And so he went to Elijah the prophet, this brave soldier. And the prophet said, listen, I want you to go in the Jordan River. I want you to go in the Jordan River. You want to be healed of leprosy. I want you to go in the Jordan River and dip yourself in that river seven times. That macho Naaman type guy, Arnold Schwarzenegger type guy, dip myself in the river seven times? Aren't the rivers over where I live even better than the ones over? And he stomped off in a rage. The little wise servant girl spoke some truth into this hard-headed soldier and said, if God had asked you to whip up 10, 15, 20 men and kill them, I'm paraphrasing, of course, would you have done that to be healed? She convinced him to go into the Jordan River. God was willing to do his part. Naaman needed to do his part in a desire to be healed He dipped himself in that river seven times. And what happened? He was healed of his leprosy. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. That God and you doing your part can produce perhaps one of the greatest miracles you'll ever experience. You see, many things do not happen because we're not doing our part. Let me remind you what James teaches us, the half-brother of Jesus. In James chapter 4, he said, "You, you want what you don't have, so you kill to get it. You long for what others have and you can't afford it. So you start a fight and take it away from them. And yet, the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So your mind may be spinning. I know that we all come into this room and there are petitions we have before our Lord and our God that we would like to see answered. And I pray this morning, besides seeing and hearing with your own eyes that God can heal one of leprosy and open up the eyes of the blind. Now in this particular story, we see someone doing something even greater and that is raising the dead. Raising the dead. Now, in my heart, it's easy for a pastor to skip a lot of scripture. But the Bible tells us that the scripture is alive. This pastor here, I rely on the scripture and the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin and convince you of these truths that Jesus, our Lord, our God, talks about. And today is about Lazarus being raised from the dead. So I'm going to read the story to you, if you'll permit me. Would you open up your Bibles to or your cell phones to or your minds to John chapter 11? And we're going to read the story. Does anybody believe by reading it? Now all of a sudden the Spirit works. Would you raise your hand? You believe that when you read it aloud, the Holy Spirit works. So I didn't want to cut this great story short because there are many needs out there today. And once you see what Jesus can do, then your particular request maybe seem so minute. And perhaps the Holy Spirit will breathe in you courage to believe God. But whatever it is you're asking of Him, Now, I can see with glasses and without glasses, but it makes my reading just a little bit easier when I wear these nice glasses. I'm not denying I'm getting older. Hope I look as good as I do without the glasses. Okay, there we go. Are you ready? Nice and relaxed. Take a deep breath and enjoy what the Holy Spirit is doing. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now laid sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. no. It's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Lazarus. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he wanted not tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep But I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever dies and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. They followed her, supposing she was going to to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. "'Come and see, Lord,' they replied." Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, "'See how he loved him?' But some of them said, "'Could he not open the eyes of the blind man and have kept this man from dying?' Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you, you, that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want to read one more verse to see how some people reacted. It said many of the Jews believed, but in verse 53, it said, so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Let us pray. Would you stand one more time? That way you get to exercise a little bit. Father, what a privilege it is and was to trust you, what you said, that your word is alive like a double-edged sword. I'm asking and we're asking, Lord, that already it is doing a work in your children. Or... One that's about to become your child because we trust that the Holy Spirit's at work when your word is delivered. Thank you for this rich truth that you can raise the dead. In Jesus' name I pray. You may be seated. As I think about this, we won't be long, I want to lift from this, this story, a couple things. One is very obvious. What is it? The miracle of raising the physically dead. It can happen. In Job fourteen fourteen, the book of Job. How many have ever read the book of Job? Raise your hand. What a story. Under severe pain and agony, his body racked with pain, he had lost everything, his home, his children, his wealth. And he cried out and answered the question that was asked earlier in Job. And many are asking today, when a man dies, Will he live? Just think, in the midst of this pain, this sorrow, this hurt, this disease, this sickness, he answers in Job nineteen twenty five. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed... Yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Not only did the Old Testament remind us that the dead will live again, but now we have heard with our own ears, read with our own eyes, That Jesus has the authority to raise the dead. In John 11, back in the story, he reminded them plainly, he's dead, he's not sick. He stayed in the grave for at least four days. So if there was any superstition about the spirit hovering over the body for three days, he squelched that myth. Then he reminded them, of this truth, that he can raise the dead, and Martha's thinking, well, I, I believe everything that you said, Jesus, and she said in John eleven twenty four, 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus reminded her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. And so, therefore, he put proof to this truth in front of all the observers in John 11, 43 through 44. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow. Uh, do you ever remember coming close to death? I had been close to death or thought I was going to die. And I was not looking forward to that experience. And I beg God for a chance to live. Perhaps maybe you did the same thing and you called out to God and asked him for a chance to live because you you read the Bible about God raising the dead. You heard it preached that God would raise the dead. You believe that God will intervene in your present circumstances like he did with Lazarus. He alone, Jesus, don't look for a miracle. Look to the one who can cause a miracle to happen in your life. Look to the one, the author and finisher of our faith, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah and the Lord. He's the one that you need to feast your heart on, your mind on, your soul on, your request on, Jesus. He's the one that can do something about your present circumstances. If He can raise the dead, He can raise the dead. Then every dead thing in your life, he can raise to life. I pray that you might glean confidence from this passage that we just read. Now, I do agree that the supernatural miracle of God alone doing things is rare. Is rare. But it still can happen. And so I continue to go to God and have gone to God. In prayer over the dead. I have literally done this in funeral homes and in hospitals. I didn't scream out loud because I didn't have permission from God. You might say, well, Ron, you were chicken. No, I, I just I didn't have a sure word from God. Ron, I'm going to raise the dead and I want you to go ahead. My reputation's on the line. See, I didn't want my reputation to be on the line. And then it reflect on Jesus. But I was muttering under my breath, in my spirit I was groaning, God, do you want to raise the dead? I've been at the pickleball court where people are in a wheelchair and have gone beside him, not wanting to make a show. God, would you raise him up? I have continued to practice that and I will continue to do that. And we have people in our church that have done that and will continue to do that. But there's another type of miracle in the story that we see, not only that our God will raise the dead, not only in this life, but when you pass out of this life in the twinkling of an eye. And that is the miracle that Christ will do to the spiritually dead. Let me explain. John 11, in this particular chapter, talks about these different types of miracles that I talked about previously, and he tells us in John 11, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now, he is talking about something else besides just raising the dead. Let me explain. There is another type of death that we need to be aware of that many of our churches throughout our land do not talk about. In Revelation 21, 8, there is another kind of death that Jesus is referring to in this passage. But the cowardly. You're afraid to confess. I believe this means you're afraid to accept Christ because of the persecution or live for Christ because of the persecution and the cost. If you're not willing to count the cost, you cannot follow Christ. If you don't take up your cross, you cannot follow Christ. If you don't come and go public, God calls us a coward if we won't go public with our faith. So the cowardly, the unbelieving... The vile, the murderers, the sexual, immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This is what Jesus was communicating to Martha. This is why Jesus came into the world. This is the greatest miracle that you need. Everyone looking in online, everyone here this morning, this is the miracle that you desperately need in order to avoid the second death. You see, the Bible tells us all of us are dead in our trespasses and sin. But we have hope. Ephesians chapter 2. But God is so rich in his mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins, he gave us back our lives when he raised Christ from the dead. That's why he communicated this truth in John 11 when he said to Mary... And Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He is talking about in this life also, because in John 10, he said, You see, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I walk around all the time looking at the homeless, looking at people that have very little, and I tell myself this constantly. God, if it were not for you, that's where I would be. I know absolutely. You may not know that. I know that and confess that. Without Jesus Christ... I would be a gutter bum. Before I was 20, I had over 40 jobs. I got fired from almost every job I took because if you looked at me cross-eyed, I had such anger, I went into a rage. I know about this new life. He talked much about it in Scripture. They came to give us life, and more abundantly, I can tell you now, that that day I met God And he birthed life into me. I have an abundant life. I had nothing before I met Jesus. Many of you came to Christ. You had everything. You had careers. You had jobs. You had an education. You had family. You had friends. You had money in the bank. Many of you are like me when I came to Christ. I didn't have any of that. No talent. No certificates, ninth-grade education, no career, no friends. There I was, totally naked before God, and I cried out, save me, God! The Spirit of the living God came in me. I started going like this. No, I didn't do that. But inside... Birth took place, just like it has in many of you, if not all of you. And I began to live the abundant life in Christ Jesus. I know my Redeemer lives. I cannot deny that he lives. I now live because of the promise that he has given to all of us. If you believe in me, you will live. You see, in Philippians 3.20, he said, but our citizenship... Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await our Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you come to God, you must come to Him and believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Did you hear that? What what is it on your list right now you're asking God to, to, to meet? What need? He said you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I know there are many needs out there. And I have needs myself. Which leads me to the third point. As I Google out and look at what's happening in this story, Jesus raises the physically dead. And that means when you die, you will be raised again. And he said everyone is born spiritually dead that I came to give them life if they believe. But also, I believe there is the miracle of answered prayers. You see, Mary and Martha sent off a prayer, and they asked Jesus to come heal Lazarus. I want to tell you that some prayers, listen up, saints, are dead on arrival. God, will will you help me win the lotto? That billion dollar one, I think, would you agree that's probably dead on arrival? That would be a sort of a silly request before God. God, I, I think I need a jet so I can travel all over the world. That's probably, probably dead on arrival. Did you know the prayer that Mary and Martha breathed? It said in John 11, 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, that's Mary and Martha. Lord, the one you love is sick. They, they, they sent word. That was a prayer. They're talking to God. Prayer is talking to God. That's all it is. It's talking to God who can do something about your predicament that you're in right now. That's prayer. And so they sent off a prayer via a messenger. They believed in Jesus. We read further on. We, they knew he was the Christ. And they believed that Jesus would come back and heal Lazarus because they knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. But that prayer was done on arrival as it was written or spoken or communicated, because that's not what was in the will of the Father and the Son, to heal Lazarus from his physical ailment that put him in the grave. By the way, To see the Lord's humanity. He also prayed in a very similar way. He's all God, but he's all man too. You see a little bit of that flesh, not sinful flesh, in the garden. Here's what he said. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed. Under such agony... God is pouring the wrath of all your sin and my sin on his son. It began in the garden. And he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Was that the will of God? That cup is the wrath of God being poured on Jesus our sins, our punishment being poured out on his son. So that request, was that the will of the Father? How many believe it was the will of the Father? It wasn't. But because he is all God, he said, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Temptation comes but we don't have to give in to temptation. The temptation came in the garden to Jesus, but he did not give in to the temptation. Jesus, before he began his ministry, was taken into the wilderness. He was tempted like you and me, but he did not give in to the temptation. You may be asking something right now that's out of the will of God. Often I pray, Father, please, please tell me Do you want me to pray over this person? Do you want me to lay hands on this person? Do you want me to communicate to this person they're going to be well? I seek God. You should seek God earnestly before you pray. So I want to say that some of our prayers are dead on arrival. Remember we just read James a few minutes ago? You're asking something from God that he's not going to give you. You may be asking something from God in a miracle, but your present situation is not what it should be. You're asking amiss. You're asking it for your own pleasure. Now, you can immediately be right with God. He said, come now, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool." All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, can't you hear the compassion of God saying, come sinners to me, I am so willing to forgive. Do you hear that? Do you see that? Do you believe that? So quickly, quickly you can get into the presence of God and get right with him. And then put in your request to God. God, here's my need. Well, Mary and Martha, that particular prayer was dead on arrival. But God took something that was very bad, the loss of their brother, it looked very bleak, it didn't look promising, and he turned it on its head. He took something bad and turned it into something good. Many of our prayers are requesting for God's provisions. Job, money, Pay a bill, a home, a car, food, health. Let me just give you two. And a lot of times, at least growing up and journeying through this land, it was finances. Money, 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 money. I need some more money, God. Here I am again reporting. I need some money. You're the banker, God. I need some money. First of all, I had permission to do that because in Malachi, I had been taught since 1976 to be a tither. I have given to God almost regularly since 1970. It's not a bragging point. It's the least I can do to give back to God when he gave me everything. So because of that, he gives you permission and me permission to put in a request. He says... Bring the whole tithes into the storehouse, Malachi 3.10, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. I have checked in that promise many times throughout my journey on this planet, and my wife and I have seen over and over and over again when I reported, God, I have a need. And he has met that financial need. He has provided for my wife and I and for our family. I have more than I ever dreamed I would ever have when I was 20 years old and had nothing. I know of all people, I owe everything to you, Jesus. Everything I have is because of you. My kids, my wife, the money, the cars, the home, everything I have is because of you. And I want to give back just a small portion. I want to be a generous giver. I pray that you would understand that. God wants you to do your part. He'll do his part. Now, there's general blessings that all of you receive. We know that. But there are specific prayer requests that you put in that God will meet. Example, your son, your daughter, your grandchild comes to you and asks something. Can I have a popsicle after you just already had one? If he had not asked, I wasn't going to the refrigerator. Hey, do you want another Popsicle just after you had some donuts and you just had some Coke and you just had an ice cream? Can I give you another sugar high? <laughs> but they asked, and they almost begged. Okay, one more. We go to the refrigerator and pull it out. I would not have given it to them. God clearly explains to you and me that there, in order to see Again, don't focus on the miracle, though. In order to see the kingdom of God move in your life, he wants you to make the request, and then he'll do his part. You make the request, he'll do his part. I have a book up here, Precious Promises, and we're going to have some up here and have our prayer worries come up in a minute. And I'll just bring you one in, in here. So you, let's say you have a financial need right now. Anybody have a financial need they willing to raise their hand? Anybody? I see one slip up, two slip through, three, Okay. So here, besides the one I just gave you, I like this promise. I love it. It's from God's word. But it's in a different book. It's still God's word, though. Psalms 37. I have been young. Now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. Mm. I love that truth and that promise, don't you? You get to claim that promise. You have a need in your life. I want you to come up later on and say, God, this is not was something magical. There are some things I need, and the reason why we have these books up here in the table of contents, it has a lot of categories. And our job is, is to get you started and breathe a truth or a promise from God's word that you can claim and bank on it. You see, God is faithful even when you and me are unfaithful. Look at his word and claim the promise that he's given. That his righteous ones will not beg for bread. I've always shared my greatest miracle that ever happened in my life was when I got first after I got saved. That's the greatest miracle. But there I was. No home, no friends, nowhere to go. I said, God, I'm putting in my first request ever as a believer in you. I hit, I hit the jackpot. You ever see three sevens come along? I've never seen it. You might have said, I've never seen three sevens in a row. I said, God, I need a home. Where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope play. Now, the last part wasn't true. The first part was, would you give me a home? There I was. Nowhere to go. Nobody to hang out with. Traveling with some magazine group, staying in hotel, from hotel to hotel. I didn't dare quit because if I quit, I had nowhere to go. They had me by the throat. Two days after I get saved, actually it was a day and a half, I knock on the door. This, I went in there. Hey, I'm selling magazines. Would you like to buy one? The man came out there bare chested with no shirt on. I was talking to his beautiful daughter playing the piano. <laughs> like, what you doing over there, buddy? He started preaching to me. I said, Man, I just accepted Jesus as my savior. Why don't you move in with me? I have three girls and a boy. Now, What are the chances of someone taking a bum into their home with a ninth-grade education, long-haired hippie? Come on into my home. I don't know if you're crazy, a pervert, a thief, a liar. I don't know who you are, but come on in. Take what you want. No. God had been preparing him behind the scenes to do his perfect will. He wants to do that in your life also. That is the beginning of my journey of experiencing the glory of God over and over and over. I have experienced the abundant life in Christ Jesus. And to see my kids raised in Christ and married in the Lord and raising their kids to serve God. Wow. Blessed is the man that has his quiver I have nothing to complain about. If you see me complaining about something, put some duct tape over my mouth. Then the other promise, and we'll end. James 5, he said, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. So I'm thinking about two strong needs I see in the body of Christ. One, usually financial. Again, it doesn't mean you don't need other financial help. You might need to get wisdom on how to handle your finances, but God's not going to let you go hungry. He's going to meet those needs. But you still may need to get some advice and wisdom. I needed that one time in my life, and it changed my, my life by getting some financial advice. And because of it, uh, something tragic that happened, it changed the direction of my life. So the miracle, and you may need some advice and wisdom. But here, you're sick. I know my brother may be watching. I, when you, Someone you love very deeply is sick. I, we were eating the other day, and someone called me. My brother went to the hospital after playing golf and found cancer all in his whole body. And when you have someone you love dearly, my four brothers at five, we play golf all the time together. And I was hurting and in pain, so was my brothers. And I'm, I'm praying. Like many of you, you have people that are sick, and we want God We want to see the glory of God. We want to see the kingdom of heaven come down the earth. We do. So desperately as as children of God, we need to see some hope in the midst of all the darkness that we live in. And he said, is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. That means the mature in faith in this particular passage, I believe. And pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Here's a key, though, too. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Now, that doesn't mean I got to tell you all about my private sins. We might be here a long time. He's talking about when you sin against each other. I believe in this particular passage what mainly he's talking about. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of righteous person is powerful and effective. That's why we have people up here praying for you. Not just come to church, let's go home. Come to church, let's go home. This is different than the type of church I was raised in. That's what I did when I did go. I'm reporting for duty, Lord. Here's my quarter tip or here's my $5. And lickety-split, I went back out and lived life the way I've always lived, no change. Do you have a financial need? Do you have something physically that's ailing you? We're just going to believe God, because if I look in the natural, it doesn't seem possible, right? But if I look in the supernatural, God and you, He said all things are possible? Is that true? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not teaching any lie. I'm teaching the truth. So we're going to trust God for his promise. The last thing I want to say as our team comes forward, the miracle of raising the dead won't cause people to believe or convert the masses. Remember the verse I just read? From that day on, they plotted to take his life after he raised the dead. So if you think that a miracle will change your life and cause you to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's not happening. Guess who the people were that wanted to kill Jesus? It was the religious people. It wasn't necessarily the lost that was moving the agenda down the road to kill Jesus. Although they joined in But it was the lost religious leaders that were persecuting. So saints, I'm asking you to put on your cap of faith and begin believing God. The series is about miracles. Jacob's going to bring one more message next week about miracles. We teach the truth. We're we're not trying to hype anything up. I'm not trying to get everybody stirred up. But I know there are many needs out in this congregation. So I'm going to ask our prayer people to come to the front at this time, the people who will come alongside you. We have some ladies and men, if they'll come up front and stand here, pick up one of these books. This is to get you started. You you ever go to a restaurant and what do you have, an appetizer? This is an appetizer that gets you going in the right direction. It may provide instant healing. It may provide the answer immediately. Or you may walk away from here with hope that God is going to meet that particular need in your life. But don't walk out without someone praying for you, someone helping you with your particular need that you have in your life. But the biggest need, and I'll do it in 30 seconds, I've learned to share my testimony in 30 seconds, or I've learned to share the gospel in 30 seconds. God created the heavens and the earth and created you. All men and women rebelled against him and forever sealed their doom to live apart from God forever and ever in hell. God did something about it by sending his only son into this world to live a perfect life, was brutally beaten, nailed to a tree, was buried and rose again. God said, if you will confess your sin and believe that my son died for you, I will give you the gift of eternal life. That's the gospel. If you, for the first time looking in online, or perhaps here, have never made that decision, you can make it right where you're at. This is not trying to make an appeal. We don't do a lot of appeals here in this church to get you to come forward. But perhaps God's speaking to you about a particular need you have in your life. You need to hear a particular promise that's found in His Word. Claim that promise, believe God, Would you stand at this time? Would you begin coming forward? You have that spiritual need, that physical need, that financial need, a job, a home, a spouse. Would you come forward at this time and let God whisper in your heart, in your spirit, the truth that you may be able to claim and believe him He said, if you believe, you shall see. I pray that you will see and be able to swap stories coming this month on worship night. Would you come as God leads you? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at dlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.